Super cool shot, I say. Hey, Etu, let's all stand up for a minute. Um, yeah, I'm going to be preaching on the deity of Jesus. And so one of the things I'd love you to do, um, Jesus knows, not thinks, but knows that you really are more awesome than you realize. Like we're really good at saying other people are awesome, but we're often quite down on ourselves. So feel free to do whatever you want, because I know most of you just ignore me. Um, but I'd love you to go, just go to a few people and say, you are more awesome than you realize, or Jesus knows you're more awesome than you realize. Is that cool? So go and say kia ora to a few people, but say to them, Jesus knows you're more awesome than you realize. Yeah, have a seat, eh? Have a seat. Super good to see you all. Smiling away. Um, hey, so we're starting a new series for three weeks. So as most of you know, uh, and once we hit kind of December, we normally do a series that leads us right into Christmas, looking at the incarnation and Jesus and so on. Um, and... Uh, to lead into that, we normally do like a three or four week series now in November that kind of leads us into our Christmas series that leads into Christmas, right? Um, so just so you know, we're going, so for the Christmas series this year, we're going to look at four different carols, like really well-known, and I say this carefully, Christian carols, and kind of unpack the carol and the theology and the Jesus in that carol and stuff. I was mentioning it to John John this week, the children's pastor, and he goes, are we going to do the little drummer boy one, being silly? And I was like, bro, so personally, I can't stand that carol. Who? Anyone with me? Yeah. So Joe and I fight on this all the time because Joe loves it. But I'm always like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, imagine you've just had a baby, you're trying to get to sleep, and some clown turns up with a drum and he's banging away. You'd be like, shut up. But it, oh, man, drives me nuts. Anyway, so John John was being a goose. So we won't be unpacking the drum boy song, sorry. Um, so a whole bunch of that. We've got four really cool carols that will unpack and look at the theology and the Jesus stuff in them. No, you, that's one. One more, you're out. Right? No, nah. <laughs> definitely not Snoop. I love that. Maybe we'll sneak it in in the Christmas service. Anyway, um, and so but leading up to the Christmas series, so that one will start at the end of November and take us through to um, Christmas. Um, but leading up to that is this little series. We're going to do um, just three weeks on Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, which is such a cool, as you guys know, and Joe's read it before, which is such a cool passage talking about the deity of Christ and then the middle bit is about the incarnation, about him becoming fully human. And then the last little bit, which we'll do in a couple of weeks, is that whole that exaltation of Christ, right? So that's kind of where we're going. Um, and my theory around that, with you know, the elders um, agreeing and chatting and stuff, is to try and get a bit of an understanding around the deity of Christ and what the incarnation means. So then when we move into that kind of Christmas series, we've kind of got the deity of Christ a bit more in our heads because it's super important to, to understand the... <sighs> I don't know the word, the wildness of the incarnation, because it's wild, right? So that's where we're going, anyway, over the next um, few weeks. So um, today, pretty simple, um, this is what I'm talking on. Jesus is fully God, right? Jesus is fully God. Um, and so I'll, I'll read that verse again that uh, Joe read before. This is kind of the key one that I'm going to unpack this morning, just verse 6, and we'll do the rest um, over the next couple of weeks. So this is that first one. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So the first part's real easy to understand, right? So I've got two real, um, I think, good points. You can tell me afterwards if they were good or not. The first one's real simple, right? Jesus is God. That's that first line. But the second one is going to take a little bit of your theological brainness. So when we get to the second point, you might want to kind of hold on a bit. It's a little bit grunty because I'll read it again. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And when we get there, that word cling is a real 
So in the Greek, right? So Paul wrote this in Greek. In Greek, that's a very, very strong word and a very, very negative word. So what does it mean that Jesus didn't want to cling to, to grasp to his divinity? So we need to kind of unpack that. So that's where we're going, right? So here's the first, um, first kind of point, pretty simple, right? Jesus is as fully God as the Father is, right? So can you turn to someone and say, Jesus is as fully God as the Father is? Turn to someone and say that. Is that all good? Cool. Okay. So most of you would be like, yeah, 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 bro, I've got it. I could list verses and everything. But some of you might be like, oh, if someone actually challenged you, you'd be like, ah, it's because the Bible says so. I want to kind of unpack a little bit. Um, we're going to look at a whole bunch of verses in a minute that, that argue very strongly. So Paul stated it here, but there's a whole bunch of other verses in the Bible that argue very, very clearly that Jesus is fully God, right, fully God. So one of the things that I keep bumping into people, um, Christians, strong Christians, but they often, it's like they subconsciously believe that Jesus is God, but he's a little God. He's not as divine or as powerful or as whatever as God the Father. Does that make sense to you? So I just keep chatting to people who are like, yeah, but the real God, the main God, the big God is God the Father. And Jesus is God, but he's not as, and I'm always like, whoa, 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 whoa. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about now. So there was a crazy theory back in the very early church that got squashed by all the councils. So if you remember, in the 300s, there was a whole bunch of councils. So Council of Constantinople, Council of Nicaea, all these councils. And one of the big things they were discussing, like heaps of the church leaders came together. One of the big things they were discussing is this, the deity of Christ. Is Jesus fully God or is he a little bit less? And one of the reasons they had to meet up is, and I personally think this is a hilarious theory. This is a bad theory, but this is what was getting chucked around a lot was that because God is so pure and so holy and so amazing and so awesome, the thought that he would have anything to do with humans is bonkers, right? Because he's amazing, he's pure, he's perfect. And last time I checked, we're sinners and we stuff up and we mess up all the time. I mean, I mean, some of you mess up a lot more than others, but we won't go down that track, right? And so they came up with this brilliant theory, which is completely rubbish, that because God's too pure and holy and perfect and he could never interact with humans, he created a God that was like 99.9% divine and like 0.1% or whatever my maths is, human. And then that God created one that was like 98% divine and 2% human, and then that one made one that was... Until you finally get down to like a 50-50 kind of God that was like divine enough to be divine, but human enough to be human, so then they could be this connection and maybe that was Jesus and all this stuff. So I think that's hilarious myself. I always just think it's bizarre. But anyway, and so one of the big things they were arguing in um, these, all these councils was that Jesus was fully divine, fully, um, fully God, as much God as God the Father is, right? Um, and even back in Paul's day and before Paul's day, there was this constant thought floating around that Jesus is God, but is he fully God? And one of the things that Joseph and I are finding interesting at the moment is we're just bumping into a few friends, not a lot, but a few friends who would say they're Christians, they would say they believe in the Bible, but they now either deny or strongly doubt the deity of Christ, which we're just finding very concerning. So hence why I want to go pretty hard this morning on arguing that Jesus is God, right? So as I got you to say, Jesus is fully God as God the Father is. So I just want to unpack what that actually means for a minute. So I'm going to use all the big words, right? So God the Father is omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? What's that? Yeah, everywhere, right? 
God the Father is omnipresent, so therefore Jesus is omnipresent. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the incarnation. And so obviously, as we go through all these omnis and these big words, if you're thinking about the incarnation, the incarnation meaning Jesus becoming, he's still fully God, but becoming fully human, you have to kind of go, hang on, there's a slight problem there. You can't be omnipresent and human, because I'm super glad that none of you are omnipresent. Because I was thinking about this week, you could be at home and appear in my bedroom and be here at church and everywhere else, and that would just terrify me, right? So as humans, we're, thank goodness, only in one place at one time. So how does Jesus be divine, omnipresent, and human in one place at one time? So how does what, huh? That's what we'll talk about next week, right? So God the Father is omnipresent. Jesus is omnipresent. Jesus is everywhere at the same time, same as the Holy Spirit. Okay, God the Father is omniscient. What does omniscient mean? All-knowing, right? Omni is all. Seant is knowing. So all-knowing. So God the Father is all-knowing. And again, you go, well, hang on, hang on. Jesus is fully divine, but as a human, he learned things. We read that in Luke. So how can he be fully divine, all-knowing, but also not all-knowing because he's human? How? What? So that's next week, right? Um, God the Father is omnipotent. That's my favorite one to say. Turn to someone and say, omnipotent. It's a cool one. Is it just me? It's a good one to say. Yeah. Shot, have you ever said that? Gold star. I should have a chart up here. Yeah, all powerful, right? And then you go, hang on, hang on. Jesus is fully God, but while he's on earth, he's tired and hungry. How, what? So we need to think about that. Um, and then God the Father is independent. What does it mean that God the Father is independent? Crazy one. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it, eh? Yeah, and that he needs nothing. That's the other part. He needs nothing. God is self-sustaining, right? Self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything from us. He's not like, yeah, quick, they need to worship me. I'm whatever. So Jesus is independent. Again, you go, hang on, how does that work when he's in the incarnation? Because he needs stuff. And then the last one that we talk about when we're talking about the, the full divinity of the, the Trinity is eternal. So God the Father is eternal. What does it mean that God is eternal? What do you reckon? Just yell it. Uh, no yeah, totally, eh? So God has no beginning and no end. And also that God is outside time, right? So God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are outside time, but yet they interact with our time. They know where we are in time. They're not lost going, whoa, are we parting the Red Sea? Is Jesus on the... Where are we? Ah, they know where we are in time. They engage with us in time. So one of the things to keep thinking about is, is Jesus is as fully God as God the Father is. So Jesus is fully omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's not a sub. He's, he's kind of not as powerful as God. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, 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 no. He is as powerful. He is all-knowing. He is eternal. He is independent. He needs nothing in his divinity. So most people, most people argue when you look at that verse, um, I'll go back to it, and then you can kind of see it real clearly. So Paul says, though he was God. Now, what most people say is Paul is talking about Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. So I know I'm using a lot of big words today, but I'm going to try and explain them. This pre-incarnate state. So before the incarnation, this is what he's talking about. And you'll see the same thing in John and some other verses we're going to look at in a minute. And so one of the things to keep in your brain is that when the incarnation happens, Jesus is still fully divine. He does not decrease in his divinity at all. But, and I'll talk about it next week, he lays aside some of his divine attributes so that he can be fully human. Right, So he, he's still fully divine, but he chooses not to use some of his divine attributes, some of the aspects that make him God, so that he can be fully human. Otherwise, he couldn't be fully human. It makes sense, eh? You with me? Yeah. So that's what we'll talk about a lot more next week. So this is what he's, um, Paul's talking about. 
Okay, so I want to look at um, two kind of little concepts here to argue that Jesus is God. And the first one is simply a whole bunch of verses. So get your Bibles out and get ready to verse hop, which is always a good thing to do in church, I think. Um, so here's the first one. So jump back. You guys know this one. Jump back to John 1, uh, 1 and I'll read 1 to 3. Uh, and you see the same wasness that you saw with Paul in Philippians. You see John say the exact same kind of idea in John 1.1. 1, 1. Oh, and kia ora, people watching online. So as you guys know, we record this and chuck it online. I thought it's good to say good day to them. So kia ora, everyone online. Super good to have you joining us. Hey, you are amazing. All right, John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So a couple of things. You see real clearly at the end of verse 1, the word was God. Jesus is God, right? It's just real blatantly out there. And then the other thing I love that John brings out, and you'll see it in these other verses we're going to look at, is around creating things. Um, the writers are always very clear to say that Jesus is the one who created all things. So the logic obviously um, is really clear that if he created everything, then he himself is not created. Otherwise, that would be a lie. Does that make sense? You're with me, eh? So therefore, he is eternal. Therefore, he's always existed. Are you with me? I'll say that again because there's some confused-looking faces. Um, here in John, and we're going to see it again in um, Colossians in a minute and even in Hebrews verse, the writers make it very clear to state that Jesus is the one who created all things, everything, and that nothing was created apart from what Jesus created. Therefore, it's obvious that he was not created himself. Otherwise, you couldn't say Jesus created everything. You'd have to say, Jesus created everything, but he was the first creation, so he didn't really create everything. He kind of, does it make sense, eh? So it's just interesting that they, they make that really clear every time. I love that. Okay, let's go to the Colossians one. This is one of my favorite, um, well, really, the, the Colossians 2 verse is probably my favorite, but um, this one's super clear as well, right? Um, Colossians 1, 15. So Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. See it again? They bring out that clear statement again. You see it again and again, right? Um, verse 16, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, and he kind of carries on. So one of the things that, that Jesus is very clear about when he's on earth is that he is the visible representation of God the Father. Does that make sense? He's the visible representation of God the Father. So you see it with Thomas. Do you remember Thomas comes to Jesus? And I, like Thomas is one of my favorite dudes because he's like us. He's just a muppet. And he just doesn't trust Jesus. And he always asks those real awkward questions like, unless I see him and can put my hand in his side, in the wound, I won't believe. It's like, whoa, but cool, Thomas. So one day he comes to Jesus and he says, look, this is me paraphrasing terribly, right? He says, look, I get all this stuff, but if I could just see the Father, then I'd believe. And do you remember what Jesus says back to him? Jesus says back to him, again, paraphrasing, bro, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I am the visible representation of the Father. And what he's saying is if Thomas did manage to see the Father, Thomas would be like, oh, I've already seen you, because I've seen Jesus. There's no difference. It's not like now I'm seeing you. I'm like, oh, now I get stuff. I just love that, right? So the writers are real clear to say Jesus is the, the visible representation of God, right? You with me, eh? Okay. I know this is a little bit heavy, but it's Sunday, so bad luck. Okay, next verse. This is my favorite. I love this one, eh? Um, Colossians 2, um, verse 9. Um, where are we going? 
For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So we're going to talk about this more next week because it's talking about incarnation, right? So when Jesus is on earth and he's human, he's still fully divine. And that's one of the things that we have to wrestle with because it's like, how can he be fully divine if he's not being omnipresent and he's not being omnipotent and he's not being all these things? Is he still independent when he needs to eat? But independence means you don't need it. So, oh, but that verse makes it clear. And then let's do the Hebrews one. This is a pretty grunty verse. I love this one, eh? Um, Hebrews 1, verse 3. And I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I love how it says this first part. The sun radiates God's own glory <laughs> and expresses the very character of God. It's that same idea with Thomas, right? It's like if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God the Father because he is the representation, right? And then um, the writer of Hebrews carries on, and I love to say, he, Jesus, sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Oh, I love that. So heaps of verses, right? There's just tons of verses. And you, I, I had like, I don't know, about 20 verses, and I was like, no, keep it down. Um, so here's that, that first point again. Um, Jesus is, is fully God, is God the Father and the Holy Spirit are, right? So because some of you are looking at me terrifyingly, just turn to someone and say that, because that's a great statement to say. So turn to someone and say, Jesus is as fully God as God the Father and the Holy Spirit are. Is that all good? All right. So first of all, heaps of verses, and then the second um, easy way to argue for the, div- the full divinity of Jesus is to look at the Trinitarian formulas. That's one of my favorite words to say ever, right? Trinitarian formulas. Feel free to just say that if you want to say that. Anyone? Trinitarian formulas. Shot, Louise. That's a good one to say. So Trinitarian formulas just means through the Bible there is a ton of phrases where they'll talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit kind of in one breath and one phrase, very clearly implying that they are equal, right? So I had a whole pile. We'll just look up the Matthew one. So you guys, you guys know this Matthew one, but we'll look it up. So if you've got your Bible, it's good to follow along, make sure I'm not just making all this stuff up. So we say this one all the time. And again, there's a whole pile, but I just kept it down. We'll we'll just look at this Matthew one. Um, And so you'll see it in there. So keep thinking, why would he say baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? What's his reason for that? So I'll read this. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then here's this key bit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, again, that Trinitarian formula, right, of Father, Son, Spirit is just used again and again and again in the New Testament to make it very clear that they're on the same level. It's not like, baptize them in the name of God, the Father, oh, and, and in Jesus, Holy Spirit. It's like, no, no, they're totally equal, right, totally equal. Um, like I said before, so Jason and I have noticed a few friends that are starting to say, I believe in the Bible, but, and I believe in God, and I, they still claim to be a Christian, but I just don't believe in the deity of Jesus anymore, which is very concerning. And I had a friend, this is a kind of a sad, funny story. I had a friend a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago now, um, who was a strong Christian, and he put on Facebook, uh, 
I'm a Christian, I believe in the Bible, but I no longer believe in the deity of Jesus. Prove me wrong. And I was like, really? And so I went to put up a verse, and within like 10 minutes, myself and a whole bunch of friends were just like, blah, <laughs> like all these verses and these formulas and all these arguments and stuff. And I was like, man, that's so cool that everyone kind of jumped in to be like, bro, no, and trying to discuss. And then I went back the next day to see his response, and he deleted the post. Which I, so I deleted it off Facebook, which I was like, that's all you can do. Because <laughs> the evidence in the Bible, you can't believe the Bible and disbelieve that Jesus is fully divine because it is so strong. So he had no comeback. That's what I'm saying, right? I love that. Um, all right. So here's that little phrase, um, again, that I've been saying. Jesus is as fully God as God the Father and the Holy Spirit are. Um, one of the things I'd love you to do, too, is just be thinking while I'm, while I'm preaching, eh? Do you really believe that, right? Because like I said, sometimes people subconsciously slip back into this, well, Jesus is awesome, but he's not as divine. God the Father's the big God. He's the main God. Jesus is a little bit less, or the Holy Spirit's a little bit less, right? So we want to be going, oh, catch myself, catch myself, catch myself. So I just want to pause, and we're gonna, I'm going to check a question on the, on the screen for us to discuss. Because one of the things I thought of at this point, it's good to think about the so what. How does this impact us? How does this change us? How should that change the way we live? That Jesus is, is fully God, that he's divine, right? So here's a, a question for us to think about. How does the truth that Jesus is divine, that he's fully God, that he's an exact representation of God the Father, impact your life? In what ways does this truth impact or change the way you live? So we're going to have a little chat. So if you're a visitor with us, what we do now is we're just going to stop for two or three minutes and have a little discussion. So people around will just chat away. Um, if God's talking to you, or if you don't like the people beside you, either one, um, just stare at the screen, right? So the idea is if you're like, no, 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 I don't want to talk to people, or God's really talking to your heart, just keep staring at the screen. So if you see someone staring at the screen, you leave them alone. But other than that, let's chat. So grab a friend, have a little chat. People online, hey, um, I'd encourage you now to be thinking, like work through these questions. Like, how, how does this impact you? How does this change you? So grab a friend, have a little Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool, Louise. Shot. So Louise said, it's that no matter what's happening in our life, where we're going, what's going on, that Jesus is there with us. I love that, eh? That's Because he's divine. It's not like he's so busy looking after Mike that he's like, oh, blast, I need to sort Mike out, which will take forever, and then I can sort out Louise. You know what I mean? He's, he can be with each of us. That's good, Louise. Anyone else? Oh, am I back to Mike's? Ah, it's so confusing. Anyone else? Mm. If you believe the Bible and you couldn't get your head around that, it would, it would be hard not yeah. to catch your life the other way. Yeah, that's cool, eh? Yeah, yeah. Mike's saying, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Mike's saying if you believe the Bible but you didn't believe this, then it would be hard to not have it impact your life. It just wouldn't make sense. No, that's cool. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah? Explain that a bit more, different functions. Yeah. Yeah, right, they're different roles, eh? Yeah, the different ways the Trinity, yeah, that's cool, the different ways the Trinity interacts with us, that's cool, way. Eh? Cool. All right. Hey, so a couple that I wrote down. Um, one is, and I'm going to try and not burst into tears over this, but I probably will. 
when I think of the deity of Christ, that he's fully divine, and the fact that he died for me just absolutely melts me. It does. Like when we take communion, I always take communion and I go, as I take the bread, the body of Christ broken for me. And the reality that this is the divine creator of the universe, the almighty God. He is omnipresent. He is omnipresent. You know that the fullness of who he is, but yet he loves me. I don't care about you. <laughs> he loves me so much that he would take my sin, my crap, my evil. Just makes me go, oh my gosh. Like if, if it was one of you, like Brayden, if Brayden was like, had lived a perfect life and said, bro, I love you, Craig, I'll take your place and die in your place, I'd be like, shot, bro. But he's just Brayden. Do you know what I mean? Jesus is divine to do that. Just makes me go. Bush. And then the other thing which Joseph and I were talking about is just security. It's like when I pray, when I call out to God, I'm not calling out to a sub-God, like a Jesus who's like, oh, that's a really big ask, Craig. Hang on, let me run to God the Father because he's the big God and see if we can help. <laughs> he's like, I got you, bro. I've got you. I just love that. That's why I read the end of that Matthew um, 28 because Jesus says, man, I'm with you to the end. I'm with you to the end. And the one who's with me, the one who's with you is the creator of the universe, the divine. Ah, I just love it. All right. Hey, so that's the first one. Pretty simple. Jesus is fully God. Here's the second one, which takes a bit of wrestling our brain. So Jesus is secure in his divinity. Jesus is secure in his divinity. So here's that verse again so you can see where we're going. So though he was God, we've talked about that. He's fully divine. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, right? He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So what on earth is Paul talking about here? So the first thing to get is that word cling um, in the Greek is really powerful, um, really powerful. So here's what um, it means. So this word cling means to seize or to snatch violently to that of to hold fast to something. So that's the word that Paul chose. He could have chosen another word. So what Paul's saying is there's something around Jesus' divinity that he didn't either hold on to in a really violent way or he didn't snatch it, he didn't grasp at. And we just go, what on earth? So let me go back to the verse. Now that you get what that cling means, he did not think of equality with God as something to, to grasp at, something to snatch at, right? So this word, I always, when I think of this word, I always think, this is terrible, I always think of little kids in the cafe, right? So my job is so hard, I have to drink coffee all day and talk to people. And often when I'm chatting to someone, I was going to say, I was going to be silly, I'll focus. Well, I was going to say, often if I'm chatting to someone, they're super boring, I just watch the kids playing in the cafe, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but often when I'm in there working by myself, I'll watch little kids in the cafe, and they're really funny, because it'll be two kids that seem to have never met anyone, each other before, and they're just friends hanging out, it's real weird. Um, but so often they do this clinging, right, this snatching. So you'll see a little kid's turned up with his mum's having coffee, whatever, and he's playing with a truck, and then another kid turns up and for some unknown reason, they desperately must have that truck. Even though this other kid's got it, it is now their truck. And they'll come over and you'll see them just snatch it and hold it. It's like, it's my truck. And then the other kid's in tears and they're in tears and mums are separating and there's fights and blood. And, no, it's crazy. That's what this word means, right? It's this. It means to, to, to snatch violently, to grasp it. So, so what is this talking about with Jesus, right? That he didn't do this. He didn't think of equality with God as something that he had to do that with, right? So most commentators, when they look at this verse, most commentators go, oh, this is looking back to Adam and Eve. So let me explain all this. And that's why um, Josephine read from Genesis chapter 3. So if you remember one of the key verses in Genesis chapter 3 is verse 5, and I've got it here, it says, Satan says to Adam and Eve, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat the fruit. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And so one of the things that Adam and Eve do, they do this cling word. They're, they're snatching it. They're grasping at something that they don't have that they want, that God's saying, not now. He's not saying not ever. He's just saying not now. And they grasp at it. They snatch at it, right? And the two things they want is, one, they want to be like God. And the second thing is they want to be wise. And they say that, right? We want to be like God. We want to have the knowledge of good and evil. We want to be wise. And, and they snatch at it. Now, the dumb thing, the dumb thing to me is, God was going to give them that anyway, right? When we become a Christian, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about us being children of God and heirs of Christ. There's those crazy verses at the end of John chapter 17 that talks about when someone becomes a Christian, and I say this very carefully, they are literally caught up into the divine. And in, in John 17, um, Jesus talks about how when we become a Christian, we become one with God, one with the divine, and he becomes one with us. So it's this clear thing, man, if Adam and Eve had just waited on God's timing instead of snatching, grasping, they would have become like God, right? And then the other side is the knowledge, the wisdom. It's like, man, how many times do you read in the Bible God saying, if you need wisdom, just ask? You read it all the time, same thing. God's like, I'm not withholding anything from you, but your timing is wrong. You're, you're grasping, you're snatching, just wait on my timing. Um, I wanted to, I don't have enough time, but I wanted to kind of go down that that track for a bit and be like, man, how often do we stuff up on that? <laughs> how often is God saying, I'm not saying no, but I'm just saying not yet, just wait. And we're like, no, your timing is wrong, God. I'm going to get do it, get it, whatever. And God's like, will you? Oh, we're idiots. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, so back, to, um, back to, to Jesus. What is it that he didn't cling to? He didn't snatch at? And it's pretty easy to see because Paul knows that's where we're going. And so if you look at, um, at the end of these little verses in um, whoops, chapter um, 2, uh, you see the same thing. So if you've got your Bible, jump back to um, Philippians. And you see it at the end. So verse 9, therefore, right? So therefore, so what was he not clinging to? He's about to tell us. And the reason Jesus has given this is because of the incarnation, which we'll talk about Next week, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So the thing to keep remembering is that Jesus didn't have this before the incarnation, but, and he didn't cling to it. He didn't grasp it. He didn't say to God the Father, Oi, I want to be elevated. I want everyone to bow down and worship me. And so what Paul's saying is before the incarnation, that wasn't, a, and I'm going to explain some more in a minute, that wasn't a role that Jesus had. He's divine, he's fully divine, but that wasn't part of um, his role as the second person in the Trinity, as the Son of God. But because he didn't snatch and grasp, it's what we just read in verse um, 6, God, and was submitted to God's will, didn't do an Adam and Eve, submitted to God's will, was humble, therefore God elevates him. So I'll, I'll read all those verses there. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So the idea to me is pretty clear that what Paul's saying is that that position or this role would not have been given to Jesus if he didn't go through the incarnation. Are you kind of with me? Yeah. Okay, so let me explain it a bit like this. So when we talk, this is a bit grunty, but I'll use a silly illustration so we can get it. When we talk about the Trinity, we talk about them in, in two aspects. So one... The Trinity are all equal in nature and essence. They're equal in nature and essence. They're equal in their divinity. Makes sense, say they're the essence, the ugh of what makes them divine. They're all equal, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, they all have different roles, right? They have different roles. 
So John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God the Father gave Jesus. That's one of his roles, right? Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. God the Father doesn't give us gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts under the Father's direction and stuff, right? So they all have these different roles. And so that's what this is saying, is that one of Jesus' roles changes. That He doesn't change. Remember, they're all equal in nature and essence, but their roles can change and fluctuate. So to explain like this. So we have the best eldership ever at this church, right? So the elders are our leaders, and they're amazing. And as I say to you all the time, I often slightly mock other pastors because I have the best elders. So a normal thing that pastors talk about when we all get together and talk about church is our elders drive us insane, and it's just like a wrestling match, and they don't get it. And And I always go, ha-ha, I don't, because I have the coolest elders ever. I've had so many pastors go, seriously, like go, seriously, bro, why? What is in that church? <laughs> like, it's one of my really good friends is just wrestling with his eldership at the moment. I send him rude texts about, we just had an elders meeting. It was so cool. And he's like, bro. It's so funny. Oh, that was funny. Are you with me? Everyone's looking at me really seriously. So our elders are awesome, right? So let's do what I'm talking about with the Trinity. We are all equal as elders, right? We're all equal in nature and essence, if you want to say it. But we have really different roles, right? But the different roles doesn't change that we're all equal. So when we have an elders meeting, just because I'm the pastor, it's not like when we vote on something, not that we vote, I get like three votes because I'm the pastor and everyone else only gets like one vote. Or when we're discussing something because Joel is the chair of elders, it's not like he gets 10 minutes to explain his point and everyone else only has one minute, right? We're all really equal, and the discussion is equal, everyone's voice is equally heard and discussed and stuff. But at the same time, we have all different roles. So Al, who's one of the elders, is all about, he'll bring information about finances, and we'll discuss that. Um, Joel is the chair of elders, so after a big discussion, he might go, okay, 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 awesome discussion, we need to make a decision. I think we all agree that we should double Craig's salary, and everyone's like, yes, I agree. That's been recorded, so let's put it... I'm joking. He'll say, hey, we've all agreed X, let's do X, and everyone's like, yeah, that's great. You see what I mean, eh? We're all equal, but we have different roles. And that's what we see happening here, that the Trinity's equal, and all that's happening is Jesus' kind of role is, is changing. He wouldn't have been elevated like this before the incarnation, but because he submits his will um, to the Father, he now, um, he now has his role changed, right? I, I love that. So next week I'm going to talk a lot about the incarnation. What does it mean that Jesus stays fully divine, but he adds to that divinity full humanity? And how how is that possible? Because they seem contradictory, as I've explained, right? And I want to just finish with reading a little story by Max Licardo. So Max Licardo is um, an author and a really descriptive author. And he has this funny little um, story or whatever that he wrote, um, thinking about the incarnation, about Jesus being God but taking on humanity. So let me read this. He says, I'm watching a family of black-tailed squirrels. I should be working on a Christmas message, but I can't focus. They seem set on entertaining me. (laughs) They scamper amid the roots of the tree north of my office. We've been neighbours for three years now. They watch me peck at the keyboard, and I watch them store their nuts and climb the trunk. We're mutually amused. I could watch them all day, and sometimes I do. (laughs) But I've never considered becoming one of them. The squirrel world holds no appeal to me. Who wants to sleep next to a hairy rodent with beady eyes? (laughs) And then he says, Give up the Rocky Mountains, bass fishing, weddings, and laughter for a hole in the ground and a diet of dirty nuts? (laughs) Count me out. But count Jesus in. What a world he left. 
Our classiest mansion would be a tree trunk to him. Earth's finest cuisine would be walnuts on heaven's table. And the idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and tiny teeth and a fairy tail, it's nothing compared to God becoming an embryo and entering the womb of Mary. <laughs> I love that description, eh? And, and I've used these big words this morning, omni and stuff, and to me, that's what blows my mind. Jesus went from being omnipresent in all places at all times, but to live as a human, he can't be omnipresent, so he has to constrain that. <laughs> we, we can't even imagine, what is it like to go from being everywhere, all the time, fully aware, to being constrained to one body, let alone being an embryo? <laughs> What's it like to go from being omnipotent, all-powerful, you can do anything you want, anytime you want, to being hungry and thirsty and tired and abused. <laughs> What's it like to go from being omniscient? All You know everything. There's nothing you don't know. You don't even have to think, because thinking implies you didn't know something and now you learned it, right? To being a tiny baby that's learning and stumbling and dependent on a... The incarnation is just... It's unbelievable the extent that Jesus goes to. And remember in, in the, the passage in Philippians that I was reading, it's like, he didn't cling to this divinity. He's happy to, as I'm going to talk about next week, he's happy to lay aside some of the attributes of his divinity so that Jesus can be fully human. So that he can die for us. And because of that, God elevates him, right? Um, here's my last little thought. Where in your life do you need to follow the humility of Christ? I thought, that is a massive, massive question, right? I just want you to think, is there anything as I've been talking this morning? The Holy Spirit's good at just gently, God is always very gentle with us, gently reminding us of areas where we need to submit to his will. So just be thinking, is there anything in your life now that the Holy Spirit's bringing to your, your heart, your soul, where he's saying, hey, <laughs> this is something we've been talking about for a while. I need you to submit as Jesus did in his humility, eh? Cool, stay seated and let me pray for us. If the worship team, do you guys want to come on up?